I'd like to welcome everyone to the second of a new podcast series where we'll be interviewing recognized leaders within the sport, tourism, natural resources, recreation and event planning industries. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing issues facing collegiate sports with North Carolina State's Outstanding Athletic Director, Boo Corrigan. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, collegiate sports were facing numerous issues, including increased costs associated with facility upgrades and the rising cost of education, increasing transfers and navigating the new transfer rules, antitrust laws and the compensation of student athletes, among many other issues. In today's discussion, Boo shares some of his perspectives related to the future of collegiate athletics, what he has learned over his journey from Notre Dame, West Point and now NC State, and both the challenges and opportunities facing athletic directors, particularly given the recent COVID-19 pandemic and the demonstrations protesting the recent deaths of black Americans that have increased tensions across the country. So I'm really excited to welcome another episode of our podcast focused on leadership within the sport parks recreation tourism and event field and today i'm really excited to have our athletic director nc state boo corrigan um boo probably uh, has had a very eventful first year at nc state um, but has a very storied history and i think in 2017 boo you were the athletic director of the year when you were at west point and then had a number of different experiences and roles throughout acc schools including notre dame florida state duke and now obviously the best acc school at nc state took me a while to figure it out but i ended up at uh ended up at nc state and couldn't be happier to be here (laughs) great and and also with us today we have michael canters who's going to be grilling you today with some some great i'm just i'm just the man behind the curtain making everything come together here i I put on my good sneakers so i should be ready (laughs) so um so boo i want to start off with uh with a a pretty easy question um prior to the covid pandemic that has obviously devastated not just this country but a number of countries um there were numerous changes that were forcing athletic departments and their leadership to reconsider sort of the business as usual model Um, obviously covid19 has significantly disrupted those business operations what do you see as perhaps some of the long-term or, or permanent changes that will affect collegiate sports? I, th- I think it'd be, you know, there's a lot of different things going on right now, obviously, right? With, with different um, transfers, uh, rulings and name image likeness and kind of the core business of what college athletics is. And those are going to be there. Right, and, and those are things that have been coming for years in a way for us to, you know, catch up, to, to be honest with you. I think there's a, um, a number of things that have occurred over a longer period of time that we may talk about that have, that have led us to this moment. That being said, when you put a global pandemic on top of what we do, you put social unrest on top of what we do, um, I think whatever it looks like coming out of this is going to be different. I, I really don't like the phrase new normal. I don't know what that means. I'm to, sick and to, tired of that phrase. You, too. you know, to yeah. be honest with you, it's kind of like this. Well, you know, in the new normal, well, it's just going to be new, right, to, to what it is for a long time before it's normal, right? right? It, it, what, everything that's going on right now is kind of leading us to a place. I do believe, and I, I wake up every day, 
and that this is what I get to do. And every day I make the decision, is it going to be a good day or a bad day? And every day it's going to be a good day, and every day it's what I get to do. And, you know, I get to try to help solve what the, what's going on right now. And I view that as, you know, finding what that opportunity is going to be. On the other side, from a student standpoint, from an athlete standpoint, from a college sports standpoint, from where we fit into society standpoint, and how we all come out of this stronger. Mm. Yeah, if you're a problem solver, this is could be considered a fun time, right? Because every it, day you're solving all it, kinds it, of it's problems. Been, it's been a really odd thing, kind of across the board, to, to have felt as energized as you do going into this. And it's not... How do you say you're energized by a global pandemic? There's yeah. something oxymoronic yeah. about that, right? You know, and... And, you know, I, I do believe that kind of the core values that we talk a lot about are trust, accountability, passion, empathy, and raising your hand if you need help. Yeah. Right. So we go into this in um, March 3rd, 4th, 5th yeah, about ish yeah. is when we really started talking about it. everything changed on March 11th. Right when the NBA canceled, I think that was a, a tipping point yep. moment. But when we were talking about it before then, it was, I believe in our values. I believe in, in who we are and what we've tried to implement for the previous 10 and a half months that we're set up to deal with this. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? That we've built time, hopefully building trust across yeah. campus, holding ourselves accountable, uh, accountable to people. Um, you know, passion is clearly what it is. And then all of a sudden, this big word empathy that gets used a lot now, but something we've been talking about for a long time, really came into play and maybe jumped ahead of some of the others. We talk a lot about family and team mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. at NC State. And you're right. These last three months has really shown the true grit of the people that work here. I don't care what department you're in, whether you're athletics, whether you're an academic department, people have stepped up here yeah. and they, done amazing they have. things. And, and I, I, love the, I love the wolf and I love the pack, right? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They don't do it alone and that they can be a force of nature in, in what they <laughs> yeah. do and then the big ecosystem and there's a great... Um, we sent out these pack inspirations right. every day for the first whew, probably 60 days. And one of them was talking about changing the tides and how the rivers flowed because they introduced uh, wolves back into um, Yellowstone Park. Right. And how they affected um, the deer population, which affected the bear population. Balanced which the ecosystem. Yeah. Very much so. And yeah. I think that's kind of part of who we all want to be, right? And what we want to be at NC State right. is problem solvers, is doers, you know, and, and how do we go about doing that through our little world in college athletics? So, so you, you talked about how you feel very energized, weirdly so through a pandemic. What keeps you energized and what keeps you positive in terms of coming out on the other side, a stronger department, a stronger institution? really communicating with, with people in, in trying to make sure they know where you are um, as the leader. I don't say that lightly by any stretch, but as the leader, I think they're, I think people are looking for calm. 
I think they're looking for steady, right, and, and being thoughtful. Um, hopefully we've been able to do that and to provide a calm, steady, um, thoughtful approach to what we're doing. And uh, you said problem solver, you, you know, allowing them to kind of solve their own problems. When, when I learned a million things being at West Point, right, just changed our life as a family and changed me as – is who I am, and one of them is to be a good leader, you gotta know how to follow, right? And to be a really good leader, um, you need to be empathetic. And to be a really, really good leader, you need to know that your job is really to underwrite risk. And if someone has a way that they think they can solve a problem and they really believe in it, and you can think your way through it with them, all right, I'll underwrite the risk. Yeah. Give them the license to, to fail. To fail, absolutely. But, but give them that ability to own it. And then they know that I've got their back, you know, regardless of what it is. And quite frankly, right now with our students and in, in what they're going through and finding their voice, I'll underwrite that risk. You, you know, they're, it's a wonderful generation. I think it's got a bad rap. But, you know, with playing too many video games or being attached to their phone or social media and all those things, they're an incredibly inclusive group, right, in, in what they do and how they do things. And, you know, my job is to help them um, know that I've got their back and that we can underwrite it. And long, long way of getting to, that's a pretty energizing day, yeah. you know, every day if you get to do that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, over the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and Michael's seen this, I've had many, many discussions with with some of the, I would say, the, the biggest world-renowned leaders um, in terms of their philosophies in running different organizations from sport, event planning, parks, whatever. Um, you know, the recent pandemic and some of the protests over, you know, systemic uh, racism with the, in the U.S. has forced many people to re-examine their own leadership philosophy and their own beliefs. What aspects of your leadership philosophy has changed and what has remained pretty steadfast? I, I, think, the, I think the trust, accountability, passion, empathy, raising your hand kind of fits. Hmm. Right. You, you know, but I think a lot of it is the uniqueness of these times. And my father had a great saying, if, uh, it is better to remain silent and appear stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, which is something I've always kind of had in my in my brain. And I think this time calls for even more of that. Yeah. Even more time for listening and even more time for for being truthful in, in saying to them, I don't know what it's like. I, I, I don't have any experience being an African-American male. I got experience being a father and being a husband, but not raising my kids as African-American or as people of color in, in trying to really um, listen to what that is and try to understand what that is to the best of your ability. Are you ever truly going to be able to know what it is? No, I don't think you are. But I do think you can be empathetic to it. I think you can uh, learn as much as you can and, and teach your children um, what's going on. Allow them to talk to you about what's going on because yeah. I'm learning mm -hmm. from them on, on, on what it is. And we moved from West Point to Raleigh and I fondly referred to West Point as, as Mayberry with guns because it's like 1950. 
up there, but you're also around uh, different races, different um, hierarchies, right? From the, the son or daughter of a colonel to the son or daughter of an enlisted person. It, it's, it's all over the map and really opened their eyes to a lot coming in and coming down here and understanding, you know, they kind of were able to ease into that aspect of what it is. And, you know, I just, I want to listen to our students. Yeah. I, I want to listen to our staff um, of color. I challenge them um, to educate me on what it is, but hopefully they have enough trust in me um, that they'll be willing to open up and be willing to share. And I think that's a lot, that's a lot of what I think about nowadays. Hmm. Is there anything that you particularly, any experiences you've had with some of your staff or some of the student athletes that have really resonated or, or educated you or taught you? I think their willingness, I think <laughs> their willingness. You didn't announce the, the third person oh, in I the room, dog. Jason, yeah. come on. You know, um, <laughs> that's Maggie the dog. <laughs> She weighs about 10 pounds, but I taught her how to fetch, which makes her a little bit tougher, I think. Um, just their courage. Yeah. You, you know, their courage to talk about it, their courage uh, to want to lead. Um, I think in every situation, there's an opportunity to really throw yourself into it and be a leader or to, to sit back and let other people do it. And I've really... Um, have been empowered by our students who are willing to take this on. Um, when they're juggling a sport, when they're juggling um, academics, when they're dealing with social and, and everything else that's going on, their willingness to, to truly throw themselves into it, uh, to be held accountable as one of the leaders. I mean, I think that's the, that's the inspiration that I get from them, and that's the that increases my want to want to be with them, yeah. right? And to want to listen to them and to want to understand where it is. And then ultimately, how do you underwrite the risk? And, and how do they know that, that you have their back as we're going through this? Yeah. That, that it's not gonna be, hey, this is great and we're gonna worry about this for the next 30 days or 60 days. This is something that's gonna be part of who we are. And Pack United, is part of who we are now as an athletic department and uh, was really thought it was great that the university picked up hmm. on PAC United. And, and that's something that came from our student athletes that's going to go through the university, that's going to go uh, across the student body. Yeah, and on, yeah, on, that, that. on that note, NC State made a decision very much in line with the Carolina Panthers in terms of, you know, um, not being associated with CPI. Was that something that, that came from the, specifically from the athletic department or the university as a whole? It came from, better or worse, it came from the athletic department. It yeah. came from what, me. What's it, CPI? It's a home security okay. system. And um, their CEO said some things um, that made me uncomfortable that um, uh, we talked about. And okay. it wasn't something we wanted to be associated with and it wasn't something that i went to our students and said what do you think in this group and what do you think and you know i think a lot of times the more opinions you ask for the harder the challenge mm -hmm. of making the decision is or you you look at it you read it you think and you say this is something we should do 
Yeah. And it is something we did. And, um, um, you know, there's different people that have written me that don't feel that I made the right decision. So, so what you're saying is you can't please everybody when you make decisions? Well, leadership is not a popularity <laughs> contest. No, it is not. I, I had that conversation <laughs> with someone uh, about 15 minutes ago. And not every decision I make is going to be popular. And, and not every you're decision probably, I make You're not an effective leader if you are trying to make decisions to please everybody. I can't imagine how you are. Yeah. I really can't because ultimately someone's not going to be happy. And then at that point, I think what you do is you're managing to the person. Mm-hmm instead of managing to the situation or in my eyes managing to an incredible leader in chancellor woodson and trying to meet his expectation of what we have for this university well and i think boo you know um we talk a lot you you talk a lot about one of your core beliefs is that that sense of values and you've identified that and i think you saw the the incongruence between that and what the ceo of cpi said and, and that helped you frame that decision, which is something we talk about with our students. But Michael brought something up. Um, you know, being an athletic director, you have so many different stakeholders. And I've talked to other direct athletic directors about this. You know, you have boosters, you have student athletes, you have the coaches, you've got us as faculty. And we've all got different opinions on sort of decisions you should make or, or directions you should go. How do you cut through that to make your decision? Good question. It's a really good question. <laughs> I, I would make a joke about drinking a fair amount of bourbon. Well, the, I don't I, think that's, I'll see how I don't, it lines I don't up. think that's appropriate. Um, <laughs> I think I'll see how it lines up with some other uh, yeah. comments that I've had. No, but I, I think you one, you got to be in alignment with the institution, right? And you got to be in alignment with Chancellor Woodson and what he believes and what role that we serve. Um, from there, I think you, you know, we. The other thing we talk about is do the most right thing. And I think that's something pretty simple, right, that, that people can understand and, and, you know, the importance of academics to, to what we are and the ability to, my personal opinion, we got a lot of um, young people that come here, their first generation to go to college. That can change generations mm-hmm. when they leave here with a degree, right, when they become – the role model for the next generation, right? And, and how important that is. Um, and there can lead to difficult conversations with coaches around, you, you know, from an academic standpoint and where does that fit in, can lead to a different um, uh, conversation with academics that don't view sport as important, but you think about sport as I think about sport, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter what your parents do, it doesn't matter what your religion is, doesn't matter what your race is, are you a good teammate, right? And are you someone that they can count on? And and I think those are critical values that as you carry that through to your first job and and kind of the the silly kind of way of talking about it is the first time you mess up in your job and you always do mess up in your job and that boss comes down and yells at you or, you know, deals with you in, in a stern way, Athletes have been there before. They've, they've been you know, told that, that that wasn't a good enough attempt or you didn't work hard enough and those types of things. They, they know what that means, all right? I got to buckle down or uh, Hayden Hidley, as he said, I got to double down on, on what it is right now. That's going to stay with them the rest of their lives. Hmm. And then from a social standpoint, 
we are united. We were talking about before we went on, you know, the opportunity to bring people together and to celebrate NC State. That's kind of at the core of what it is. It's a shared passion that people have for sports, mm -hmm. right, that are going to bring you together. And it may be someone from the north or the south or the east or the west, but the commonality is we want NC State football or volleyball or whatever it is, whatever it is to be good and we're all going to be united underneath that to root for NC State. Hmm. So if you have if you have a pretty powerful stakeholder, be it a booster or be it a upper level administrator that may not approve or be supportive of a decision that you make, how do you communicate that decision and why you made that decision? Up front, pick up a phone and call them or email them or whatever. You know, it's kind of a goofy time right now to not be able to go face to face with people but um, I've had some recently that I wrote back and said I I appreciate you telling me how you feel I feel the exact opposite and I'm not going to change my opinion I hope someday we'll be able to get together yeah. face to face and be able to talk about it acknowledge yeah. the message right? yeah, yeah, I hear yeah, what you're saying but but I don't agree I don't agree and, and, yeah. and by the way it's not a popularity contest, <laughs> and I got to do what I think the most right thing is, and, yeah. and we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. I um, one of the things that comes out when I speak to you is how passionate you are towards your student athletes and your staff. Um, that that comes across to me anyway. Um, and we often talk about how our staff are our most critical resource when we're running an organization. Um, and I know during this time, some sport event planning, tourism type uh, leaders have had to make some very, very painful decisions regarding staff. What advice would you give to leaders of those organizations in terms of managing their staff, particularly as they start gearing up for you know this, I know you, you don't like the, the, the new reality, right? Not the new normal, but but moving into this new reality. Yeah. I, again, I think so much of it goes back to communicating. And if there's something bad out there, wouldn't you rather hear it from your boss? Yeah. Wouldn't you rather know exactly where you stand? You know, early on in this, um, when we were talking about it with regard to the coronavirus and the global pandemic, it was, you know, watch, read, whatever you want to do, but that doesn't mean that's what we're going to do at NC State. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So until you hear it from me, that's not what we're going to do at NC State. And there's been all kinds of different things that have gone on in college athletics from people cutting sports to cutting salaries to furloughing people to all kinds of things. And we were very upfront with them. Unless you hear it from me, you mean. know, let's not – don't make any assumptions – it doesn't mean we're not going to do it. It doesn't mean we won't be forced to do those things. But we've been very upfront, very transparent. Okay. Again, go back to being very calm. Go back to being steady as opposed to, oh, my Lord, so-and-so just did so -and something. We're going to do the same thing. Well, no, we're not. Well, let me talk to <laughs> You give them like six different answers. I, I would be awake all night flapping my feet. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, I think it's that need to be able to communicate with them, hopefully what we've done in the, in the last now 11 months is build enough relationships that when you have these conversations, it's not a, I haven't heard from you in 
six months and now you're telling me that X is going to happen. We've been around. Yeah. You know, we've been trying to communicate with them. We've been um, talking to them. We've empowered our staff to talk to them, right? Um, try to try to be singular in our message, in what it is, and kind of beat the same things. I'm sure they're tired of hearing me saying the same things <laughs> over and over again, but it's what we're based off of. I disagree. I think there's comfort yeah. in hearing the same messaging over and over again because it's when the message, like you said, starts to change all the time that people get start getting really nervous. Yeah. So I, consistency I, and calmness. I, I, I hope so. Yeah. You know, I really do, and that, that's what they appear to have um, – like that aspect yeah, of it, yeah. you know, and at the end of it, I think they really got to know you care and you care about them and you care about their sport and, and coaches are going from, you know, being able to plan everything out and we're going to be here and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and to not being able to do those things. Right. And the trainer is the same thing. We, we get our time with our athletes and, in the training room, in recovery, in the strength coaches, in the uh, sports psychologists, and kind of everyone's used to this very familiar battle rhythm, high-speed battle rhythm, and all of a sudden, shh, you don't mm. have any. Mm. So a lot of it starts with, how you doing? Yeah. You okay? How's your wife, or how are your kids, or how are you, or how are your parents, or whatever else, and get to know them. I think it um, I believe it's more tiring to be that way. Hmm. I believe it can be exhausting as a leader to really, to really care, right? And it hurts more to really care. Hmm. I'm in. I'm in on that. Hmm. You, you know, I'm in on making it harder if that's what it is. Um, because I think you'll get more honest answers. And I think they'll be able to talk to you more honestly about what's going on if you care and if they know you care yeah i um you know thinking about some of the athletic departments and, and some of the ones have really truly been affected and you talked about some of these athletic departments that have been cutting sports what have been some of the key mistakes that without single singling out of a specific athletic department or university but but what what have you seen some of the key mistakes that various athletic departments have made and if there were key lessons that could be learned what would they be it's really really hard to cut a sport make no mistake about that because not yeah. only is it the coaches you know it's, it's going to be the coaches that are on that staff but it may be a trainer the alumni it may be a strength it may be someone in academics, right? And then you've got to deal with the young people that came to your school to participate in that sport that they love or they got love for, you know, XYZ school, right? So you've got all this passion that's built up around it. And, you know, how have you communicated it? How, how have you laid it out on the big board of, hey, folks, in front of the entire department, here's where we are or here's where we are financially, and there's a gap, and we can't do that, and we're looking at everything, or whatever it is that you get to that point. I don't think any of it is, um, there's no part of it that's easy. There's no, I don't know that there's a great script for it. It's not like you go to the AD handbook and on page 44 says, here's how you do it, because regardless of what it is, you're dealing with passion. 
and you're dealing with alums that have been through there that identify themselves as, I am a ex-athlete at export, and here's all the great things it did for me. Hmm. You're never going to be able to erase that. It's just a matter of hopefully communicating as much as you can up front in an honest fashion um, while listening, while hopefully making your point on why you're going through what you're going through and how you ended up at the conclusion you did. You're never going to make everyone happy, but maybe at some point they can look at you and say, at least I understand how you got to this conclusion as opposed to we need to save a dollar. Here's how we're going to do it. Deal with it. It's over. So that's it. You know, hmm. you've you've had a very storied and, and and fairly long career as an athletic director. Have you seen any any really really big mistakes that you think don't don't repeat that? I think you always learn more what not to do than what to do yeah. in different situations. Um, you know, there's nothing that really like jumps out at me um, from that standpoint other than I think you need to really care about people and there's times where you can where it can be a really cold decision or there's not enough basis of a relationship to be able to have that honest conversation on the way to the tough decision right um, that would be the biggest thing for me is is kind of uh, decisions made from on high aren't typically very good decisions, hmm. right? There's no buy-in, there's no understanding, there's no aspect of what it is that got you to that point. Um, always making sure you're in alignment with your boss, right? As you're going I mean, down this Michael. path. Yeah, but you're right, you know, you make a decision and if that decision is a surprise to everybody around you, you probably haven't made the right decision. I, I don't see how you have. I don't see how you have, and, and if you don't have the, you know, in this instance, if you got to make a big decision like that, you want Chancellor Woodson to understand. Chancellor Woodson has a group of people he needs to communicate to. Yes, he does. Right, mm-hmm. above him, that, you know, the last thing, and this is what I talked to about our staff, I should never be surprised when something goes across my desk. Yeah. I can be disappointed. Yeah. You know, that's really too bad that that's how it worked out. But if the first time I'm hearing about something is the, um, the separation of a student or bad acts by someone that works for you, that's going to really upset me. And that's where the learning comes in, I think. That's where you have to ask the question, how did we get to this point? Mm-hmm. All right? How did it get to a point where I'm surprised at this information that I'm getting? So, something fell apart somewhere, so figuring that out and cleaning that up so that next time the, those are the those are the times i like to think i'm a pretty slow burn right you, you know what i'm saying i'm not <laughs> up and down as i refer to it i need to be the steady actor in the sitcom right. Yeah. right oh yeah i need to be that guy i don't need to be kramer running in and out of the room and <laughs> yell, yelling and screaming and doing yeah, all that's those that's seinfeld for, for you yeah know, they don't folks even know what there, seinfeld yeah. is um <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think you need to be the steady actor in it. And when I yeah. do get upset, it's when something surprises me. And I'm like, how in the world did this happen? Well, we didn't want to bring it to you. Well, now you just brought me a bag of poop. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't need that. And you're, you're then asking me to solve your problem. 
right? If we're in it the whole time, it's my problem. So you alluded to something there that, that I've always struggled with. Um, there's times where you get really upset being a leader, right? Information comes across, you get accused of something, someone says you don't care. Um, there's very few people that you can go and release that to, you know? So they talk about leadership roles being very lonely. How do you deal with that? How do you cope with that? I got a great family. Yeah. Hmm. I will start off with that. Uh, my wife is unbelievably great and listens to me and um, is really smart about how she responds um, to not further inflame me. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate. I got a brother that's the head lacrosse coach in her name. Mm-hmm. So I can always, you know, as we're going through things with coaches, so be you, able... You're going outside the circle. Be able to talk to him. Yeah. Um, I've got a great group of mentors that I talk with. My father um, had a... Uh, I haven't done much compared to what he did. He had a very distinguished career. And he it, sure did. He, he, he passed away this past year, but he had a stroke before that. And he had had some, um, some health issues before that. So it's yeah. been a while since I've been able to really... To really go to him, but um, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a long walk when you're upset either. To be honest with yeah. you, yeah. you know, to be able to gather your own thoughts. Well, you got in, you got Maggie here. Back. I'm sure Maggie gets a lot of good conversations. Maggie, yeah. Maggie, Maggie has heard plenty of complaints <laughs> yeah, by me that's right. uh, on many if, of our long If our walks. dogs and cats could talk, yeah, oh my exactly. gosh! <laughs> and you've you got know, a Maggie as well. I have a Maggie yeah. as well. That's right. You know, but I think it's it's one of those things having that group of people, and then yeah. I've got a great group of people I get to work with around here yeah. that, that I can call in and yeah, say, where, an did, where did I miss on this? What, where did I not either give guidance or create the expectation yeah. of communication and allow that opportunity to really be able to figure it out? And then, you know, quite frankly, I've tried really hard to develop a relationship with Chancellor Woodson and be able to go and talk to him and, you know, they're there hadn't been a time where I walked in there and said, I need you to solve my problems. But there have been times where I've called him and said, I, this is coming down the tracks and you need to know about it well before, yeah. you know, well before you know it's a train coming at you. You know, the big bright light that's coming, which is great. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a train not that, the light at the end of the tunnel. It's, it's a train, train coming the other way. Over. <laughs> exactly. And trying to make sure yeah. um, he's aware of it. You, Boo, one of one of the things that all of all of our students have to think about is, and and I give them a quote about how leaders spend don't have very much time to really truly strategically think about where their industry is going to be five to ten years from now, and it's it's often hard to mm-hmm. do that. Where do you think collegiate sports is going to be five to ten years? Like some really formative changes, formative changes. Well, one, I think it's important every day as a leader to find time to think, like to carve time out. Because if you don't, again, a military thing, you, you get into the operational aspect yeah. and you're, you're just operating. You're going to yeah. be reactive. You're, you're just operating and operating and operating and you have no yeah. time to think strategically. So I think it's important, one, you know, early in your career, be the best whatever you can be, Right. Yeah, I'm a recovering sales guy. So, but at the time, I was like, 
I really wanted to be the best salesperson I could be, right? Then I wanted to be the best uh, manager I could be, which was to understand tickets and understand marketing and understand sales and understand fundraising and really understand those things to be the best person I could be for them to go yeah. to. Um, I, we're going to be in a, I think we're going to be in a whole lot different place is, is where we're going to be. Um, I think the value of an education can never be underestimated, right? And the value of bringing people together and putting everyone into this mixing pot of a team, right? Where you're coming from different experiences and, you know, our job is to help them unpack that, right? When they get here and what an unbelievably great developmental time it is to be 17 to 22 on a college campus and experiencing different things and trying different things and do you like this do you like this and and all the different things to help you form out um, who you're going to be but obviously name image likeness is going to be a part of, of where we are at that point in time um, what does that mean how does it manifest itself is it um, is it true endorsements and being able to go out and car dealers always get a bad rep but car dealers are easy ones to kind of pick on is it you know the, the, the new student going to the car dealer and uh, endorsing their, their products and being able to collect money from them? Is it the whole world of social media and being a social media influencer? Is, is that part of what it is? Is there, um, you know, we created this cost of attendance that, that allows young people to get money that, that helps them get from month to month to month. There's the Pell Grant world of being able to receive the Pell Grant money that's going to help them offset what it is. Um, you know, where do, where do coaches' salaries end up yeah. in, in 10 years? And where is that? Where is the whole business model? Mm -hmm. do you, from, do you, from that standpoint, you know, it's a, it's a brave new world. Do you, think, do you think there will be a reduction in sports or sports that go more towards the European model where it's kind of like a club sport system? I think it can, you know, and, and what's what's affordable, right? What's affordable from a sponsorship standpoint? And, and do they become super clubs as part of the institution that's not Division I athletics? Um, again, you're talking to a guy that values education, that values the team, that values the sport, that values all those aspects. I don't want to see... Um, a loss of opportunity, right? We've got 550, 560 student athletes in our athletic department. Uh, we've got 23 sports. I think those numbers are good right now for where we are, but if, as the financial dynamic changes, does that number decrease? It's something that, you know, you got to keep your eyes on hmm. as you move forward. There's a Minimum, minimum number of sports that much must be sponsored. Um, it's either 16 or 17. I've heard yeah. two different numbers. Um, did you have to sponsor to be a part of a Division I uh, athletic program? Clearly, we're well beyond that. But as teams look at this, is that number going to go down? Where does Title IX fit in um, to it? So, you know, man, I got a lot of gray hair, and I think I'm going to get more. Yeah. What's gonna yeah. happen. Let's hope you keep it. Amen to that. <laughs> well, Boo, I think my final question today is uh, you started here at NC State just over a year ago. 
predicting out? Did you think you were going to have the year that you've had? <laughs> no <Yeah>. shot. <laughs> no shot yeah. in the world. But, yeah, only one, guy's, only one guy knows what the plan is. Yeah. And he doesn't tell you what the plan <laughs> no. is. And our job is to figure out how to make, uh, you know, as good a path as you can. Maybe influence some people on the way through. Maybe impact some people on the way through and hopefully leave it a whole lot better than you got it yeah yeah well we we certainly appreciate your time today and we appreciate everything that you've done for nc state and the student athletes here at nc state so thank you very much yeah go pack no it's been it's been my pleasure what a great campus what a great uh community to be a part of and i uh hopefully look forward to being around for a couple more years you know that sits on chancel woodson's desk so we'll see how it goes i think you're pretty safe yeah (laughs) All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it.